The future of the culinary scene in Syracuse is about to get a whole lot better. I'm Joe Lee. And I'm Kevin Kloss, and you're listening to The 315. Digital content on WAER is supported by SRC Incorporated, a not-for-profit research and development company whose goal is to bring a focus of respect, teamwork, and the freedom to innovate to the workplace. Learn more at srcinc.com WAER. A new twist on an old dining concept has been popping up in cities all over the country and will soon be opening here in the 315. If you take the concept of a food court, something you see in malls across America, get diverse with the food and located in the heart of an urban center, you have today's food market trend. Joining us to discuss the Salt City Market, a new dining and business development concept coming to Syracuse, is Adam Sudman, Marketing Manager for Salt City Market. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. And you've brought a couple of guests with you. Why don't you just introduce who we have with us today? Absolutely. We have two guests with us today, uh, other than myself. Uh, we have Dreamer Glenn of Miss Prissy's, and we have Sarah Tong Nork of Twist of Tie. Very cool. Uh, Adam. Tell us about your role as market manager for Salt City Market. Sure. So Salt City Market is going to be a food hall and public market in downtown Syracuse, the corner of South Salina and West Onondaga. If you were to drive by right now, you would see a 956-foot by 8-foot poster um, that is very colorful, wrapping the site. Construction starting shortly. And my job is not construction, uh, but it is to... Um, fill that beautiful vessel of the four-story building with talent um, and identifying, training, auditioning talent from the community, from all sides of the community. This is an interesting concept, and um, I've seen this in several cities, including my hometown of Baltimore. I think there are two food Mm. markets. I think Mm. those are driven by commercial interests. This is more on the nonprofit and more on the business development. Am I right about that? Absolutely. Tell, tell us about how this all came together. Oh, gosh, that's a long story. Um, so I, uh, starting with myself personally, I'd, I'd had this dream for the better part of a decade, um, traveling all over the world, seeing food halls, um, ne- not necessarily having that trendy name assigned to it, but everywhere from Vietnam to Morocco to Mexico, um, starting to see the trend come up in the States, um, actually worked I worked for 10 years in a food hall called Chelsea Market uh, down in the city. Mm-hmm. Been in um, there. And I use that as a sort of example that, of what we're not going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a very fairly high-end, profit-driven boutique experience. Uh, we like those. Those are, those are great experiences. Um, but we want this to be a little bit more of a diverse experience for our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, but piggybacking a little bit more on what you said – we want this also to be a place to get a, a start for for nascent food businesses. It's a very difficult business to break into. Uh, there's that old saying of, do you want to make a small fortune in the food business? Great. How do you do it? You start with a large fortune. So what we're doing is we're, we're starting with uh, the, shall we say, the, the, the fortune or the endowment of the Allen Family Foundation, uh, which has uh, long been involved in, in bettering life uh, in lots, lots of different ventures uh, in, throughout central New York. This is their big play downtown. They want to move their headquarters downtown in a new $24 million building. Uh, and they felt that one of the best ways to s- sort of cultivate community to get us out of our silos uh, is through food. And 
that's why they wanted to invest in those types of businesses. And so what this will do is sort of, I, I don't want to say necessarily incubate, but I'll, let, me, let me go with that word incubate for uh, beginning food businesses, about 10 of them, um, give them a, a platform, uh, give them some training, and be this, this place where we can all sort of cross paths. There's not a lot of spaces like that in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. That's the dream. This is a, an audio format. Uh, so if you can, paint a visual picture of uh, the concept of, of what someone, uh, once this is up and running, mm. will experience when they walk in visually. We like to say controlled chaos. Um, and by that we mean we really want those individuals, we want you to walk in and to see all sorts of color, culture, uh, fabric, language, all these things that are really represented in each stall, uh, those stalls should really pop. Our, our brand of the Salt City Market really should sort of fall back a little bit. Um, it's, we don't see it as about us or about the foundation. It's about those individuals and their, and their talent and their, and their, their vision uh, and their culture. Uh, so you should be able to go in and see, at the very least, those 10 different mini restaurants, um, big bright signs for those, um, other things, uh, a bar, a cafe, a grocery store, a teaching kitchen. And as we sort of grow in the market, uh, hopefully you'll see all sorts of programs from cooking classes to uh, kids' activities, a place to take the kids when it's snowy. Apparently it snows here. Uh, a little bit. Maybe 14 months. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a really energetic place, the kind of place that you would go in and say, or you w- you'd be sitting at home wondering, I got to get out, I got to do something. Let me check the market. There's, uh, there's probably something going on there. Your default, I got to get out and do something place. So the physical infrastructure, just as you're talking about it, it sounds great. And that's really kind of half the equation. The other half is, is those vendors, those talented individuals you talked about. So I'm curious from the two potential vendors we have here, you know, Adam talked about wanting to give you guys a chance to sort of show your vision for your mini restaurants. I'm just curious for each of you, what is your vision? Maybe share with us what you guys are hoping to do at the market. We'll start with you, Dreamer. Well, um, I guess, you know, I, first of all, the market is is a wonderful place. Um, I think that it's going to be great. I think it's going to bridge the gap in the community and give Syracuse a little bit of what it needs. And I must say that I'm proud to be a part of that, you know, from, from the ground floor. Um, so in the market, I've been wanting to have, it's my dream to have a food business. Um, and in Syracuse, things are a little bit difficult, as Adam stated. Um, so it's nice to to have that support in learning and, you know, just being able to, to be successful and to start somewhere. Um, so in the market, I hope to do my part um, as a good community member and cook great food and provide a service for the community and the residents of the city of Syracuse. Yeah, I, um, I'm really honored to be a part of this from the very start as well. Uh, my vision for my food stall would be just to bring Thai food that uh, you can't really find in any other Thai restaurants in Syracuse. I would love to share the food that I grew up eating, that my parents taught me how to cook, and, and really just bring another perspective of Thai food. Now, Adam, I know that part of what you guys are going to provide is some training and some support. Do you guys have a plan in place for what that training is going to look like? Is that going to vary individual to individual? What's sort of the plan for that? Do we have a plan? Of course we have a plan. (laughs) Uh, We have a 10-step plan. It's on our website, uh, www.saltcitymarket.com. And that 10-step plan bounces between 
sort of, uh, I don't want to say book learning, academic learning, but, but classroom, classroom learning and then real life practice. So we have a number of pop-up events, uh, public facing, chance to make a little bit of money, maybe a, a chance for that, that food merchant to leave some money on the table or lose money, right? Because we learn through that process as well. So through theory and practice, we bounce between the two of those for about six months as everybody is auditioning for that market. Yeah. The, um, uh, from a economic development standpoint uh, or from a business development standpoint, do you ha- are there numbers associated with um, approximately how much a new venture would save uh, going this route versus opening their own bricks and mortar restaurant? Do you have you guys examined what Dreamer, um, what her startup cost would be versus and going through the food market? Mm. Uh, versus her own bricks and mortar or renting uh, and and uh, buying equipment and all that, what's the potential savings for a um, uh, for a participant um, going through the Salt City Market business model? Sure, that's a tough one to generalize. There's so many different factors at play here. Um, I'm going to come at that from a couple of different angles. Uh, you come into a place that is new, great location. Uh, collective, right? Uh, big boost in terms of our marketing platform, turnkey, sort of a term we use in the restaurant industry. So you're, you know, if, if you can lift it yourself, you probably have to purchase it. If you need two people to lift it, we're buying it. A lot of that stuff is quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what does that include? Um, grill sure. tops, ovens, mm-hmm. things like that? The hooding, the venting, mm-hmm. uh, the, the point of sale, grill tops, ovens, refrigeration, mm-hmm. um, a benevolent landlord, which is no small thing. I mm-hmm. could I could name some names of friends uh, that are struggling with that right now, um, and some of those things that perhaps you didn't necessarily get into the restaurant business to to do. I don't know if anyone in our current cohort got into this because they wanted to maintain restrooms. Um, nobody's expressed that as a passion. Mm-hmm. We take that off the table. Your common space is is you don't have to worry about right. where everyone seats uh, sits. Um, a lot of those sort of you know sort of like ancillary headaches mm-hmm. we take off for you um, we, we we've been really conscious of startup costs and try to keep those low for folks and you know to be totally frank we, we're we look at equity and we like equity um, but I've sort of pushed pursuing a model that has less equity we want folks to have skin in the game but I've we've seen how much that equity can really be just attaining that initially can be a real millstone, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we were uh, we were looking at a model uh, out uh, in Minneapolis that we we uh, have been our our, our, our they 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 consult for us a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's called Midtown Global Market, about twice the size, got about twenty five year history. They do a very similar thing, but they go with the equity model of you got to invest forty fifty thousand right. dollars to get a start. We felt like that was really high for folks, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing those sorts of numbers with friends that start their own restaurants. Mm-hmm. 40 to 50, even that's pretty much on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, that feels very high um, for some of the populations and folks we're trying to work with. So half or less than that. Dreamer, can you can you speak to that? So you've had a dream of opening your own your own spot. You've given probably given thought or maybe even had a business plan as to if you were going to either acquire your own building or rent space and then get all of your equipment. How does this um, how does this business model um, help you? 
It is extremely helpful. Um, in business planning, I have several business plans throughout the years, and it is very costly. Um, so the the model that the the model of the market would be very beneficial to a person like me, a single mom, you know, with two children, you know, recently divorced, you know, you need all the help that you can get. So if I don't have to purchase the stove or the refrigerators or the larger equipment, and if I don't have to worry about inflation on my rent in the next year, it is very helpful. So the costs are significantly cheaper. I have the time to focus on the thing that I love to cook and to unify people through food. So it just it's just a win-win situation. That sounds great. So when we talked about the Thai food that you're hoping to bring to the area, I think you alluded to the fact that you really wanted to tap into some of that food, you know, from your background, from your childhood. For anyone who's maybe not familiar with what some authentic Thai food would look like from your perspective, what are some dishes that you would hope to offer? Well, one of my favorite dishes growing up was um, a Thai twist on Hainanese chicken, which is a chicken simmered with garlic, ginger, scallion, and then you use the same ingredients to cook the rice with the uh, chicken broth, and then you make like a really nice and very spicy uh, black bean garlic sauce to go with it. So it just has... Um, that flavor of like comfort from almost like cooking the rice and chicken soup and then also like the spice and the salt and the sweetness from the sauce. It, uh, it's very delicious. Should not have done this right after breakfast. Now I'm hungry again. <laughs> so Adam, there's going to be 10 stalls, correct? There's 10 stalls in the market. Is that accurate? That's what we'll start with. We'll hopefully grow from there. <laughs> And in terms of just space and size, what are people going to be working with in terms of how much room are individual vendors going to have to operate? Sure. Um, as Brooklyn real estate agents will say, it's cozy. Um, so they are, are, they are, we're not overburdening them with too much space, shall we say. We run from 100 square feet anywhere up to, I think, 350 square feet is the largest uh, stall. Once you get some of those big pieces in there, you really have to think about your workflow. Um, but... Keeping things tight uh, does keep rents down, and you really don't need much more, you know, if you know how to work efficiently. I know the the market that I visit in my hometown of Baltimore mm-hmm. has um, stalls around the uh, outside with a huge bar in the in the middle, so and then seating sort of around in that center court area. Um, so it, there, if there's going to be a bar, who owns and runs the bar? And uh, what, 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 how do you visualize the bar concept in this space? Sure. So we are uh, partnering with Salt City Coffee uh, up the block from us now. Uh, Aaron and Maria are opening up a second location with us. Uh, it will be a cafe that transitions to a bar. Um, we're still debating what hour that transitions over mm-hmm. um, based upon how, maybe how stressful this project is for us. We'll mm-hmm. open it up earlier and earlier. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so they're going to be overseeing that, and that's a fairly big anchor mm-hmm. on the north end of the building. Okay, the the thing that I like um, most about this concept is, you know, often you get hungry, but you really don't know what you want to eat, and you can walk into this kind of space and either look around or sniff around. Uh, or take in some visuals and say, you know what, I guess I am feeling um, uh, maybe this particular cuisine. So I'm interested, uh, Dreamer, uh, what's, your, what, how, how, what's your culinary journey? How did you get to this table? 
Oh wow! And what are you? What do you? What do you want to offer? And what's your flavor profile? Give me all the goods. So it's been a long time. Um, I've been cooking actually for seventeen years, um, and my love for cooking birthed from family. You know, it's just it's what we do. It's how we communicate. It's how we show love. It's how we celebrate. It's how we grieve. It's how we mourn. It's just food is the center of our lives, and when you grow up in it, it just becomes a part of you. Um, and you know when you when you do it and you do it with love, there's no greater pleasure than seeing people full from your food. Um, so my flavor profile, um, I would kind of say I'm a Southern cook mm-hmm. by nature um, because so we're talking Southern soul food. We're talking Southern All soul right food. Now. However. Um, my family's from the South, and of course, I live in New York State, mm-hmm. and in the South, food is very heavy. Right. So you have to kind of make the adaptations to make it palatable to a Northern person. Right. Um, so I like to kind of say American Soul or North meets South, mm-hmm. um, because you you know you have the macaroni and cheese, you have the greens, you have the fried chicken, but yet you can turn around and have a nice chicken Waldorf salad, mm-hmm. you know, on a nice sunny hot day. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's you have to be versatile. You know, and I pride myself in, in doing just a little bit of everything. So both of you are home cooks or ha- are you trained chefs? Home cook. Home cook. Never had a day of training in my life. Really? <laughs> and this is just, I, you know, I'm a, I am like to eat, as you can see from my roundness. Um, I consider myself, a, uh, my wife and I consider ourselves foodies. We just love food. We love to eat. Um, and I do like the fact that people can bring them their authentic. In this concept, people are bringing their authentic selves uh, to the table to share uh, what you've learned just by doing uh, over the years, and not what you learned in school. So it's it's fairly exciting to um, uh, to be able to go out and maybe experience a bunch of different cuisines. Uh, Sarah, you, you talked a little bit about. Um, your your history with your parents uh, showing you to cook. Can you go a little in, more in, in depth in your food journey yeah, uh, and and how you uh, how you come to this table? Uh, yeah, I you know I grew up again loving food. Um, uh, you know we were latchkey kids as as we were younger, and you know my sisters and I would come home after school looking for an after school snack, and I remember. Just knowing the difference between good food and bad food. Uh, my mom uh, had forbid us from using the stove while she was down home. And my sister wanted scrambled eggs. And so normally, you know, you'd have to put them in the microwave. And I pretty much refused to cook scrambled eggs in the <laughs> microwave. So, you know, I, sorry, mom, but I did it on the stove. And they just come out so much better. So, you know, from a very young age, I just really um, appreciated um, the the quality of food. And it led me to become a professional chef in Syracuse for over 20 years now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, um, I went to school at ESF for something totally different. I thought that was going to be my path. And then come to find out I really belonged in the kitchen. Okay. Now, you mentioned um, differentiating yourself from other Thai restaurants in the area uh, and bringing more traditional um, uh, foods to the table. What other ways do you you intend to um, separate yourself from the rest of the the Thai restaurant crowd here? What's going to set you apart specifically? Well, I, you know, in addition to the, the Comfort food, street food, traditional food that um, I grew up with. I would love to just incorporate Thai flavors 
into food that is more approachable to people, people who haven't tried ethnic foods who might be, you know, intimidated or scared. I want them to feel comfortable trying new flavors and realizing that those flavors are equally as delicious as, you know, a standard burger or a slice of pizza. And Dreamer, your differentiator. Now, not a ton of competition in the soul food market here in Syracuse. There are a small handful of, of places. Um, what do you see as uh, separating you from, from that small crowd? Service. Service. Okay. And it's just hands down. You can have the best food ever, but if you have a bad experience, you will never be a repeat customer. Mm-hmm. So my tagline is superior service and stellar food. And you will always get both. They go hand in hand. And that's what will make me different. Like it. The The other thing that I really like about this, uh, Kevin, uh, this concept is they're not sitting around and waiting for mm-hmm. the construction to, to happen and, and open. There are events going on now where uh, where folks can come out and, and taste food. So, uh, Adam, talk a little bit about some of the events that you guys have. I know you got a Takeout Fridays and other events that are introducing people to Salt City Market, to some of the potential vendors. Uh, and um, uh, I look forward to attending uh, one of those or a few of those. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Sure. There's cooking going on as we speak. Uh, there's a woman over on the north side cooking the foods of Ghana. I wish we could be there. Maybe we'll make a field trip afterwards. Well, we should have uh, had her here and had her bring some food. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so uh, Friday takeout is a great way to sort of uh, showcase for one night, uh, try to do quite a few, as we say in the restaurant business, covers, right? Um, we just do it for two hours, uh, cook all day. We get to watch folks sort of SOPs, their standard operating procedures, how they behave under pressure. Uh, how they work as a team, how they communicate, uh, how they scale recipes, every little bit of it you get to see in, uh, you know, sort of like one moment, you know, mm-hmm. or about 48 hours. Um, it's a great chance for the public to give us feedback as well. I know that the food merchants love hearing from me all the time, right? They never get tired of my voice. <laughs> but it's nice to have some other voices uh, there as well. Uh, we do, we learn by consensus, right? And so it's a chance for the public to taste the food, uh, food merchant to make some, sometimes substantial money. Um, it's fun. Events are fun, you know, lifts you up. Uh, but you also sort of learn quite a bit about yourself too. Mm-hmm. I love them. So those those are happening uh, every Friday night, and those will hopefully continue uh, certainly through the year uh, and and into next year as well. You know, something that's just been become very aware to me about the area and something that I probably struggle with to a certain degree as well is sort of breaking out of whatever food or recreational routine I have to go and try something new. And so this question is open to anyone who has an opinion on this or really a really strong belief. Is the Syracuse area ready to step out of that routine and try something like the Salt City Market where they may be going in? Not sure what they're getting, but knowing that they'll, they'll have the opportunity to try something new. Is the area ready to support something like that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, a couple of different ways of looking at that. Uh, I used to run an event series where I would uh, called My Lucky Tummy, where I would feature cuisines mm-hmm. that were very new to Syracuse. We, we did a story on that. We did. Yeah. Um, those tickets would sell out in under an hour, right? And so we're trying to get 400, 500 people in the room. That would, wouldn't even take an hour. And then we'd have lots of people trying to get in afterwards. Now, that's just what night. I appreciate that. But that's one indicator. Uh, another thing that we, we really do have to do in the market is have cuisines that are familiar and from cuisines that are unfamiliar. 
right? There are a number of different people, uh, plenty of people, plenty of people in my own life that say, just give me a burger. Right. Just give me a straight down the, you know, something straightforward. We're going to have to have some of that as well, right? Um, and that's fine. If I'm going to go with a group of eight or ten people, I want to make everybody happy there, right? And maybe somebody s- smells a little bit something on my plate. It's like, oh, let me try a bite of that. Maybe that's not so sc- – oh, oh, let me have another bite, right? So um, – and even if that doesn't happen, it's – you get people around the table. You get people in the room, right? Um, so we want to respect lots of different palates. Uh, I think that collective – nature of it is going to be really, really compelling. And I think that having worked with a lot of different uh, cultures across, you know, across Syracuse over the, over the last few years that I've been here, the one thing that I think unites us is we all want to get out, particularly in the snow. Uh, we want somewhere where we can cross paths. I, I watched this happen at the regional market, and it's really, I think, more than any other uh, example in Syracuse, I really want to cite Saturday mornings at the regional market, I just see people of all different walks cross paths. I think people are hungry for that experience. Mm-hmm. So I noticed with the, uh, the event, some of the language that's being used is audition. Uh, is this a true audition for potential uh, applicants? And what's the application process? How are people uh, uh, chosen um, to, to own or operate a stall? What's the process for all that? It is an articulated process with many steps. <laughs> and so there are two different cycles that we're running. We run a spring, co- what we call spring co- cohort. It, is it an audition? Or is, it is, is an audition. Just, okay. It's absolutely an audition. Okay. Um, everyone is always auditioning. And not to make you all nervous, but everybody's always auditioning. Um, that probably doesn't change entirely once you get in the market, mm-hmm. right? You're always, you're always performing. You're always selling. Um, Specifically, what we're doing is we, we run a spring cohort, which we're in right now of eight candidates. I am recruiting for a fall cohort. And the reason we do two different cohorts is a lot of times it takes a while to get the word out, mm-hmm. particularly as you're talking across sort of isolated communities, might be talking about language barriers. Uh, we want to give it a time for that sort of that meme to trickle through to all, all different communities in, in town. Uh, so we run the spring cohort, the fall cohort, and the first quarter of 2020, January, February, we'll hold our final interviews. And then we'll determine who actually gets into the market. Uh, we have interview, you know, starts with an application, an information session, because there's quite a lot of different parts to this. Uh, moves along to an interview uh, with a committee that's composed of community leaders, uh, professional restaurateurs, myself. Uh, and then it moves on to, as I'd mentioned before, that, that sort of vacillating between training and actual auditions. And those Friday night takeouts are really auditions. Have you guys done those? Yes. Yeah? How'd yes. it go? My, it went well. Okay. You know, I, was, I was pleasantly pleasantly pr- pleased. So okay. it went, went very well. What would, uh, for folks who are listening that may be considering um, an application, what would disqualify a person? Sure. Um, disqualification. I mean, uh, or, or qualify, other than qualify the... Qualify or disqualify? No, disqualify. disqualify. Other than the fact that their food sucks. What else... <laughs> What else would disqualify? Yes. What, what would a person <laughs> need to, to, to hone up on to be successful? I met a, I will say, speaking of food sucking, um, I met a wonderful, wonderful woman years ago. I just really wanted to cook with me, and she was from the Congo. And when I went over to her home, because I would often go to folks' homes to sample their food, um, she brought me a, a Pepsi and a banana. And she said, I don't know how to cook, <laughs> but I really want to be a part of your party. And I was like, oh, you're awesome, but... So it's got to be better than 
no offense to bananas and Pepsi, but it's got to be above that, right? Mm. Um, you got to know how to cook great. We can't teach you that. Um, there's really, uh, and we do detail it on our on our website. Um, so when we have three different documents on our website, uh, the path into the market, frequently asked questions. And then one is called a vendor, I think we call it merchant profile. Mm-hmm. There's about six different attributes that we identify that if you don't possess those attributes, it's probably not going to work. Um, perseverance. If you are the kind of person that, you know, hits a, hits a wall and just stops and doesn't go left or right and says, okay, I quit, this is not for you, right? It, with, we can, even with all the supports we give you, you've got to be tenacious. You've got to have drive. Um, other things, hospitality. If you are just really grumpy and miserable, mm-hmm. um, that's okay. I have grumpy, miserable people in my life. I love them. So no soup Nazi type. I think soup Nazi is not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so and there's a couple of other attributes. So if people are to look at that profile and they say, you know, I'm not hitting any of those. Um, I don't play with all other well with others. I think I'm finished. And I don't look at myself as a work in progress. We we can't change those mindsets. Right. If you hit those marks, we can. We can work with you. You come across as a a very confident individual, but I got to imagine Mm. um, in a venture like this, there's there's always concern and and worry. What what keeps you up at night about launching this? I sleep like a baby. No, no, no. (laughs) I'm totally fine. I have no worries. Oh, what keeps me up? What's your oh snap moment? Your 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 nightmare. His is vampires. If it helps. (laughs) I think so. Out of concern. Both selfishly and out of the out of concern for um, people's livelihoods, I just want those stalls to be busy and pumping, mm-hmm. right? Um, I get I get bored easily, um, so you know, slow service where things are not really happening. If it's not humming, if we're not doing hundreds and hundreds of covers, uh, I, I start to lose my mind. I got really spoiled with that. My old job, I would you know would regularly have five hundred people through the door or more. Uh, in, in a couple hours' time, I love that. So you you, you envision a, a highly energized, popping atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that keeps me up is when is why is it not popping? Okay. Um, how do we how do we finagle that so it's it's energetic? Yeah. I am really. I mean, I I say this all the time with guests, but <laughs> truthfully, I am really looking forward. Uh, to this launching. So I want to thank you guys for for coming out and chatting with us about it and uh, allowing our listeners to learn a little more about Salt City Market. Um, For uh, individuals that want to know more um, just as um, potential um, customers and those that are interested in uh, perhaps applying uh, to be uh, a part of it, how do they get more information? Sure. So we have a website, www.saltcitymarket.com. I have a cell phone, 315-748-5001. My wife loves it when I say this, but call any hour of the day. Um, (laughs) It's totally fine. I'll pick up. And uh, we have two more information sessions. Those are required for the application process. We have two more this year. The next one is next Wednesday, I believe, August 7th, 6 p.m. at our offices, 450 South Salina, Suite 100, downtown, right near the site. If you see that big splashy poster, just go half a block north of that. So that's August 7th, next Wednesday. And the last info session is on September 4th, also a Wednesday, also at 6 p.m. All those details on our website, www.saltcitymarket.com. Thank you very much. Uh
best of luck to you guys uh, you. In, with your Thank venture. You. And uh, you. Adam, best of luck with this concept. Um, Thanks. I'm pulling for you, and uh, we are looking forward to actually doing a 315 episode live from the site once it opens. Looking forward to that soul food. Yes, absolutely. Soul food, Thai food, and an expanding sense of culture and diversity. All things to keep an eye on with the Salt City Market scheduled to open in the fall of 2020. Yeah, a lot of exciting things coming to the Syracuse area. And it was really cool just to hear Adam talk about the infrastructure and the vision that they have for downtown. Yeah, and of course, Dreamer and Sarah, too, as they look to release their vision on the central New York community. It's a really great chance for residents to expand their cultural experiences and maybe even expand their waistline. More episodes of the 315 are always available for you to check out at waer.org. We're also on platforms like Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search for the 315. I'm Kevin Kloss. And I'm Joe Lee. Thanks for listening. 